welcome to episode 18 of Femlonk. I'm your host, Katie Davey, and today we're chatting about inclusive immigration. We're going to play with something a little bit different, and actually instead of trying to pack everything into this one episode, we're going to do at least two episodes on immigration, maybe more, we'll see. So stay tuned for episode two on this topic as well. But let us know if we should keep up with this theme and what you'd be interested in hearing more about. We're also thinking about doing this type of style a bit more, putting out multiple episodes on one topic so we can unpack things a bit more. First though, what am I talking about when I say inclusive immigration? Honestly, it bothers me a lot that we seem to focus our conversation around immigration exclusively on economic indicators and filling job vacancies. Yes, this is critically important in the current Canadian economy, but I think we need to be pushing beyond this. I asked on Instagram what inclusive immigration means to you, and I think this answer perfectly summarized what we're trying to achieve here in this episode. The ideal immigration model looks at people as humans, not solely a workforce. So in today's episode, I'm joined by Jeanette Gautreau. She's the assistant director of the New Brunswick Multicultural Council, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Before we get started, I just want to flag we've been up to a lot over the last few weeks, so stay tuned for at the end of the episode for a bit of a life, femwonk, all things current update. Let's jump into the episode. Jeanette, thank you so much for joining Femwonk today. I'm really excited about this conversation. And to get us started, I'd love if you would just introduce yourself a little bit more and tell us about your role. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Katie. Um, My name is Jeanette Gautreau, and I'm the Assistant Director at the New Brunswick Multicultural Council. Uh, So what that means is I basically support the council in all matters of operations, strategic planning, program management, staff management, and uh, support for my executive director and our representation and event convenings. Um, But prior to this role, I was also project manager on a significant project that looked at at intimate and domestic violence against immigrant women. And so I've worked in this field of supporting immigrant women for the past three years and am now just adjusting to this new role. Fantastic. I'm really excited to chat a little bit more with you, particularly about some of the work you did um, involving the immigrant women community. And actually just jumping off that, would you mind highlighting perhaps some of the things that MBMC is engaging in to promote kind of a more inclusive immigration model? Absolutely. So the New Brunswick Multicultural Council is the umbrella organization for all the settlement agencies across the province. So we look at really supporting the member agencies and the work that they do, uniting these voices and amplifying them at a provincial level so that we can hopefully influence or change policies and provincial directions and initiatives on matters of immigration. Uh, try to design programs or influence programs that reach more immigrants. So this is, I think, where we're looking at growing even more so in the space. Already through the work that we do and through the work of our member agencies, we're represented in 17 communities across the province. So we have a really broad reach and scope in both rural and urban communities and francophone and anglophone communities and really trying to respond to the needs of immigrants in their local context and in their regions, but we're also looking at how we can elevate all the work that's being done across the province and find ways to expand 
expand those programs to touch on immigrants that are not currently necessarily being served based on their specific needs and interests and assets in their province. So I'm thinking specifically of temporary migrants, international students, LGBTQ immigrants, seniors, youth, uh, refugees, and of course, immigrant women as well. So looking at how we can create new programs and really push for uh, policy changes and program changes to address their needs and interests and uh, assets as well. Yeah, I like that you mentioned kind of working with folks who are not necessarily served by the traditional system broadly. What really grinds my gears is I find the immigration conversation right now in both New Brunswick and broadly in Canada focuses very specifically on essentially bringing new Canadians into the province to fill current and future job vacancies rather than really focusing on you know the fact that by creating more diverse communities all folks living there will benefit and just talking more about the value that immigration can have beyond filling job vacancies um so so it really bothers me i think that there's just such a focus on the economic side which yeah sure it's important we've got an aging population and you know all all of the things that we read every day in the media Um, But I'd actually love your thoughts on why it's important to actually go beyond the economic discussion when we're talking about immigration. Yeah, I really think you hit the nail on the head there. And I think that's a struggle of mine as well, even operating in this sector. And and it's a bit of a matter of responding to the language of the people who you're working with and your funders and the people who are uh, influencers in your sector. So it's impossible to ignore the economic reasoning behind it because it is such a driver of immigration. We have a huge labor shortage in our province and we need people to fill those positions. And at the end of the day, having a job and a meaningful job at that is a really significant component to immigrant retention and inclusion in the community. So I think it's still a significant part of the conversation and I don't want to ignore that or minimize that. But I think, as you mentioned, that there's so much focus on that, both in the media, in our, the way the government speaks about immigration, the way employers speak of immigration, and we kind of lose sight of all the other aspects of what it means to immigrate to a country and what it means to be included in a community. And at the end of the day, immigrants are human beings, and every human being has their own story that leads up to their immigration. They come to Canada with a whole journey behind them, with a whole suitcase full of experiences, of assets, of strengths, of needs, of interests, um, of fears and hopes and desires and all of these things. And I think there needs to be a much greater focus and dialogue on how to uh, respond to those and how to make sure that an immigrant not only finds that meaningful employment, and I use the word meaningful purposely because it's not just about plugging into a job, it's about a job that they can grow in and they can learn from and they can meet people through and they can be happy with and prosperous through. Um, but there needs to be those other pieces of building social connections and orienting yourself around your community and feeling like you belong and feeling welcomed and uh, speaking the language and accessing the services that you need without facing too many barriers. And with so much focus on the employment side of things and the economic benefits of immigrants uh, of immigration, I think we often forget that there is a great number of barriers and services that need to be developed to support that full social integration of newcomers as well. Yeah, and one of the things, of course, that 
that is a part of that conversation is around how um, particularly immigrant women engage in their communities as newcomers. And I would love if you would talk a little bit about the recent creation of the New Brunswick Immigrant Women's Association and kind of how that became to be and a bit more about what that work is looking like. Mm-hmm. Well, so through the work that we do, like we we identified that immigrant women have specific barriers and assets and needs, but that also are programs and policies and the way that our immigration system is devised right now, there's not necessarily a strong gender-based analysis or gender focus on it. So there's a lot of services that are being offered, like language classes and employment support programs and um, uh, community connections and entrepreneurial support that aren't necessarily targeted or adjusted to the specific needs of women. So they might be targeted in a more male-dominated field, or maybe childcare is not provided, or oftentimes spouses who are dependents of immigrants can't access language courses until they get their permanent residency, which could be months after their arrival. It can create a, a series of issues to their social inclusion. So as we identified these barriers and, and looked at the specific needs that women have, but also the benefits of of their inclusion. So if immigrant women are more included and their children are happy and the immigrant women are speaking the language and are able to work and are becoming entrepreneurs and are leaders and are being represented and all of these benefits of inclusion, then our whole society will benefit. It will be more prosperous, more diverse, more representative. So through my the project that I was leading on the domestic violence against immigrant women, we had put together a committee, a steering committee of immigrant women from around the province. We really wanted that immigrant women voice to be represented throughout the program and to validate some of our assumptions and recommendations. And this group of immigrant women kind of, they sort of self-empowered and self-identified that we needed to do something more than just the committee. And so uh, through the committee, they started to organize sort of on the sidelines of the project to create something that was more sustainable and longer term. And that's where the New Brunswick Immigrant Women's Association came from. So currently, it's primarily a group of women here in Fredericton that have come together, but they're working really, really hard on establishing a broader membership of engaging members from across the province of reinforcing their bylaws and constitution and eventually becoming more formalized so that they can uh, be this platform and this go-to for immigrant women across the province, you know, to whether it's to express their grievances or to create programs or to advocate for their needs and be better represented at roundtables and working groups and committees where currently, um, unfortunately, they're mostly absent. I think the fact that you really revolved that work around lived experience is so important and I feel like it just can't be understated just how important that lived experience is from whatever perspective it is like whether it's you know again talking specifically about um, the immigrant experience specifically about issues that are facing women uh, or, or just broadly and actually I had an interesting experience I guess it was probably two years ago now Uh, But I actually volunteered to help tutor um, an immigrant woman in English. And it was such a rewarding experience for me for so many reasons. But one of the main reasons was basically getting my own lived experience experiencing. That sounds kind of a... (laughs) But um, 
yeah, experiencing the, um, the, just the different family dynamics, the different cultural dynamics, um, and just being welcomed into this family's home, just, you know, an, an hour a week to chat a bit more with this particular uh, woman who mm-hmm. it, it was very similar to a situation that you kind of highlighted. So they, the family had three kids and the mother was pregnant with the fourth. The father was the sole income earner. And so the mother had very little, if, if any, interaction with kind of uh, the broader community outside of her family. And, and I, I felt so sympathetic towards, you know, how, how the heck do you learn English in that context when, mm-hmm. you know, you're not exposed at all, really, to, to anything other than your your reality and so it was it was a really rewarding experience for me but it was an incredibly eye-opening experience as well and so yeah when we're thinking about lived experience I think it's also important for those folks making policy decisions or whatever that looks like to also you know not just be locked up in their tower trying to make changes for folks. No I think that's really important I think as a sector we struggle to capture those lived experiences and what that policy implication is. And as I mentioned earlier, I think there's a lack of gender-based analysis within our immigration policies and programs. I know at the federal level, IRCC has done a much greater job of that in recent years, and they're starting to build specific uh, call for proposals targeted at immigrant women or gender minorities. Uh, they're looking at, for example, in the Atlantic Immigration Pilot, they recently had changed their policies to make it easier for spouses of the principal applicant to access employment. So there's some changes that are happening, and that's really fantastic. I think that need is there. Uh, but we need to cascade that down to the provincial level and then within our member agencies as well. The example that you brought up about the language classes, that's a perfect example of if we had more flexibility, different funding structures, different supports for language classes. We might be able to offer language classes evenings and weekends or ensure that childcare is available or maybe be able to engage more volunteers to reach out to uh, immigrant women who go to their homes or within group settings rather than asking them to come to the multicultural associations. There's a number of different factors and and none of them are necessarily simple or cheap. In some cases, it could be costly and, and complex to set up, but without identifying those gaps and those barriers, then we can't necessarily think of creative solutions. So I think there's there needs to be a much broader discussion about how immigrant women and other gender minorities or other vulnerable groups could be better included in the services and programs that are currently being offered. Yeah, like we can't continue the blanket kind of model that unfortunately far too often government services end up being developed as like I think to your point there are so many innovative solutions but they just might not necessarily be the clearest path forward so it's figuring out how to how to perhaps slow down to move faster almost if that I don't know if that makes sense it made sense in my head I said it out loud I don't know if it does but <laughs> no but it's, it's true it, it basically is that there's no blanket solution or one-size-fits-all kind of program and policy and especially when you're looking at such a, a diversity of people coming over with different experiences high skill low skill the rural and urban centers francophone and anglophone with different language abilities all these different factors it's, it's complex it's not an easy fix but it's an investment in humans that will hopefully remain in your province and 
in return invest in your province and the development of your communities and your economic prosperity. So it is a, a long-term game, but we need to we need a way to identify what those barriers are and think of those creative solutions. And that yeah. happens through a, a feminist lens and in gender analysis, and, and we're not particularly strong at doing that right now as a sector. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, when you talk about resourcing, like developing developing capacity to do that sort of inclusive analysis is is a whole piece on its own right like it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's a unique skill that needs to be developed as well and needs to be fostered and so even even being able to create that capacity is an important step forward absolutely so the immigration conversation unfortunately is still a little bit charged in, in some places in Canada and some places in the world. I'd love if you have any sort of advice on how, you know, folks like me or folks listening to this episode can help promote a more constructive dialogue around immigration. I really like that question. And you're right, immigration has become a bit of a, a political hot potato and and potential elections have been won or, or could be won based on this issue. And so we're, we're closely paying attention to this kind of dialogue, whether it's federally or provincially and, and even abroad and looking at how that's influencing people's comfort and, and receptiveness to immigration. So it's it's unfortunate this becomes so politically charged because at the end of the day, it really is about human rights and human dignity and compassion and also, very realistically, in New Brunswick, a, a need for our economic sustainability and viability. We 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 need immigration in our provinces, and we continue living uh, the standard that we have. So I'm, I'm hoping that we could depoliticize this issue and and have some more constructive dialogue. So I think, as you mentioned earlier, through your own lived experience and your own volunteer work, I think that's one of the best ways to depoliticize immigration is when you have that immediate interaction and you meet immigrants and you you see the human being behind the statistic I think is really significant and that's where those connections and the meaningful friendships and understanding happens. So what we try to promote through the NBMC and its member agencies and the programs that we have is some basic awareness and getting informed. And so we try to put a lot of success stories and information out there, and we really encourage people to seek that out. And And whether it's online through reputable sources or whether even preferably through volunteer work and getting engaged in multicultural events uh, and festivals. Over the course of the summer, there's always a number of festivals. Here in Fredericton, we have the Cultural Expressions Festival at the end of June. There's a Mosaic Festival in Moncton in mid-July. Uh, all of our member agencies have celebrations like these, and it's such a great opportunity to meet newcomers within the community and be exposed to diversity within your own region. So we really encourage people to attend these kinds of events, and, and if they can't do an event, then volunteering and reaching out to the multicultural associations is a big piece. But then also looking at how you're bringing immigrants within your own space. So as employers, are you seeking out to hire newcomers and are you accessing cultural competency training to prepare yourself and your staff to what you know diversity in the workforce looks like as a board member or chair of a committee or working group are you reaching out and looking at diversifying your the representation around the table if you're looking around and it's a bunch of white people and white men or women or whatever 
then maybe it's a that checklist of okay, maybe we need more diversity around the the table and reaching out to your local multicultural associations or within your network and ethnocultural associations to identify people who might be able to bring their perspectives and skills and experience to whatever event or board or committee that you're chairing. And and then there's just that kind of natural kindness and curiosity and friendliness that I think we can all um, reinforce within our communities as well. The, the friendly face, the smiling, inviting people over, the chatting up and, and just being open to that diversity in your own community, that's where the magic happens. We can talk all about changes in policies and the words we decide to choose and that we decide to use in the media and uh, changing our programs and approaches within our businesses and within our government. But at the end of the day, real inclusion and uh, sense of belonging and well-being happens at the individual and community level. So that has to happen among human beings and among uh, individuals within communities. I think those are all amazing takeaways and honestly, things that people, any person really could very easily implement into their lives that could have a strong impact in their communities. And again, just more broadly for inclusion. Um, And I will say, as uh, obviously, you know, Jeanette, we've chatted a little bit about this, but for our listeners benefit, um, we will be having a follow-up episode where we'll, we will talk directly with uh, folks who have immigrated to New Brunswick to chat a little bit more about their lived experience, um, building off this dialogue about the more kind of policy side focus. So I'm really excited to see how that conversation goes as well. Um, and I'm so happy that you spent some time chatting with us today. I got a lot out of this discussion. Well, thank you. And I'm really happy that you chose this topic. I've been following your podcast religiously. And so I'm I'm very excited that people are, are chatting about this. And immigration is a, a huge topic leading into the federal elections as well. And as you mentioned earlier, on the front line of a lot of our news channels. And so I think it's really important to look at it from uh, an alternative perspective and not to politicize it and to look at the other ways that we can be more welcoming as individuals and as communities. So I very much appreciate that you brought this topic to your podcast. I'm so happy to have great folks like you and others that are contributing to the dialogue in a positive way. And yeah, I'm excited to see how, how the rest of this conversation goes. So again, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. I would be remiss if I didn't recognize the final report on the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. I don't want to take space up in this conversation other than to say that absolutely I come from a position of believing the incredible, incredible folks that shared their experience and stories and also that we as a society should take the recommendations in this report critically seriously and do whatever we can to support moving forward and ending violence against Indigenous women and girls and broadly, of course, all forms of gender-based violence. Thanks so much for sticking around. I hope you really enjoyed this conversation today. And as I mentioned at the beginning, stay tuned for our next episode on immigration. 
there's been a lot going on in the overall femlong world over the last few weeks as some of you may have noticed last week we didn't release an episode this was so we could focus a little bit more on some of the conferences and things like that that we were taking part in last week we were at the open government partnership global summit canada happened to be the host And that was a great opportunity. There were 79 member countries from across the world represented here. And there were so many amazing topics and discussions. And I really enjoyed the learning that that came from that. We are planning to put out a blog post to talk a little bit more about exactly what we learned and and my biggest takeaways. So do stay tuned for that. We are currently at the Women Deliver conference, and we're, we're only on day one, and I really, really can't wait for the rest of the week. I think it is such an honor and privilege, and I'm so grateful to be here in Vancouver with 8,000 of my closest friends <laughs> chatting about gender equality and the important role that that plays in our society today. Again, this is an international conference, so I'm just overwhelmed by the learnings that exist from the global context and really pushing outside of our comfort zone and our understanding of what gender equality looks like beyond the Canadian context. I also am working on capturing this conversation in a bit of a different way. Basically, after every session or throughout the day, I've been just stopping, grabbing my iPhone, my headphones in, and recording some of my thoughts to really kind of authentically capture what um, what I've learned from a particular session and what some of my key takeaways are. So I'm hoping to put that together as an episode, which I think will hopefully be pretty interesting. Um, honestly, I have no idea how it's going to turn out, so fingers crossed that it turns out okay and that I can share that with you folks and that it will add value. Um, Other than that, I also am really so grateful and honored to have been selected as one of the Action Canada Fellows for this upcoming year. This is a partnership between Action Canada and the Public Policy Forum, where 16 Canadians this year, particularly 16 Canadians, will come together to discuss the question of the future of work. I am really excited to see what that what that really looks like and how things unfold. So I will really keep you folks updated throughout the year on what this conversation uh, looks like and how it develops. So stay tuned for that as well. In addition to all of this, um, we've been thinking a lot about what Femwonk will kind of look and feel like as we move forward. This episode is coming out on June 4th, which is actually exactly six months since we launched our very first episode. First of all, thank you all so much for continuing to be on this journey with us, but this really has, again, framed for us what we're, what we're trying to do and what we want to do moving forward. And I think really fundamentally what we're looking to do is create a dialogue around both traditional and innovative public policy from a perspective of gender and inclusion. But I think really digging into what it means to create this dialogue uh, will be important for us moving forward. Um, We also have some really exciting projects coming forward in the 
near future. So please stay tuned for that. I'm not going to scoop it yet. Um, yeah, as always, please stay tuned with our conversation. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Femwonk. And if you found value from this episode, please consider leaving us a rate or a recommendation on the platform that you subscribe to. 